The Inning Stretch is proudly presented by Printer Dudes. Printer Dudes is your one-stop shop for unique 3D printed gifts and collectibles. From ducks to dinosaurs and everything in between, Printer Dudes has it all. Head on over to printerdudes.etsy.com and use promo code HOMERUN, that's one word, to save 10% off your first order. That's Printer Dudes, D-O-O-D-S, the best 3D printed collectibles this side of home plate. Hey everybody, and welcome to a very, very special edition of the 8th Inning Stretch. Uh, we are joined by a very special guest, Gabby Hurlbit. Gabby, how are you today? I am doing well. How are you guys? Uh, we're doing awesome. And of course, uh, we're also joined by my co-host with the most, Carson. Carson, what's up, man? What's up, everybody? Today I'm a little outnumbered. I got two Boston fans, <laughs> so I'm a little outnumbered today. But uh, one... But we do share one very depressing thing in common, and that is as of yesterday, both of our teams were eliminated from playoff contention. So we got that going for us today. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what's that saying about misery and something about misery loving company, right? Misery enjoys company or something like that. Yeah, misery loves company or something like that. Uh, before we get started, because we have, uh, seriously, we have just an absolutely jam-packed episode. Uh, for you guys, before we get started, Gabby, why don't you tell us, uh, tell everybody a little bit about yourself and your, uh, and your podcast. Sure. Yeah. First of all, I appreciate you guys having me on. I'm definitely looking forward to it. Should be, uh, some good fun, uh, conversation here, but yeah, I mean, I am Gabby. I've always been a huge sports fan, particularly Boston sports, um, so actually what happened was, um, I was asked to be a guest on somebody else's podcast back in 2020 and basically um, had talked about kind of my career in the sports industry, what I had done um, in terms of leading up to the podcast. And then once I was a guest on his podcast, I said, wow, this seems super fun. This seems like something that I might be interested in actually doing. Um, so then I kind of started to think about topics that I could include in my podcast. And I just said, What's something that I could talk about all day, every day, and not get bored? And Boston sports was the first thing that popped into my head because, you know, my friends always make fun of me, the ones who don't follow sports, for always wanting to talk to sports, talk about sports with somebody. And I never really have a lot of friends who do that or can do that. So I was like, why not just have an outlet to be able to do that? So I started Boston Balling in December of 2020. I record episodes once a week. I bring guests on the show where we talk about what's going on in Boston sports. It's a lot of fun. It's definitely a good chance to be able to talk to a lot of different people who are either in the industry uh, from a media standpoint or are former athletes or are just whoever that have come from different backgrounds and in some way are affiliated with Boston sports. And it's super fun to just talk to different people and get their perspectives on different things. So still going strong almost at my two-year anniversary of the show, so that's super exciting, but it's definitely an enjoyable experience. Yeah, if you guys are looking for a, uh, an awesome, just fun-to-listen podcast to add to your rotation, uh, if you're like me, if you're a podcast nerd like me, definitely check out Boston Balling. Uh, Gabby, they can find that on Spotify and YouTube, too, I think, right? Yep, Spotify, Apple, YouTube. There's a Facebook page. I actually drop a live stream on Facebook of the episodes when I do record. And then, um, oh, cool. yes. So any of those platforms, um, there's a Twitter account. I drop the links to all the episodes on that. 
as well. So if you have any podcast platform where you like to listen to podcasts on your drive, Spotify or Apple or any of those platforms is the way to go. And Boston Balling exists on all those. All right. Awesome. Yeah, uh, I would highly recommend checking that out uh, to everybody. Um, all right. Very cool. Shameless self-promotion out of the way. Uh, <laughs> let's let's dive right in. Um, although before before we dive in, let's um, I, I think we should uh, we should just take a moment and and kind of uh, send all our good vibes and all our good energy and all our thoughts and all our prayers to uh, to Florida. Yeah. Um, they i was i was watching all the coverage yesterday of of hurricane ian and they um yeah the the state of florida got absolutely obliterated by this thing um and all the you know just seeing all the all the damage and all the and all the all the fallout and everything and um so yeah definitely definitely sending all our our good vibes and our good energy and our thoughts and prayers uh to the people of florida um also on a side note i don't know if either one of you saw anything like this but there was a disturbing trend on twitter yesterday big surprise uh people were commenting and tweeting and messaging about we even in fact we even got some messages to our twitter page uh for the show um about people making jokes about Tropicana Fields. Oh, maybe Tropicana Fields will get destroyed by the, the hurricane. Oh, yeah, which is terrible. I saw that. I didn't actually see any of those tweets, but, oh, that's, yeah, that's really kind of gross, everybody. Yeah, I did see that. I mean, yes, we all know that Tropicana Field is not a great place to play baseball. It's kind of um a trash stadium. The Rays, I think, deserve a better stadium. But making jokes like that is just not funny and not cool. And it's just really unfortunate and insensitive to the people down there who live down there, um, trying to turn this storm into, um, you know, spewing all this stuff about Tropicana field. It's like, yeah, I mean, we know we can have knowledgeable conversations about that stadium and why it's not really equipped to be a major league ballpark. Um, but that's just so uncalled for and really insensitive and it's it's it i mean i know people who live in the saint pete area and it's just really it's tough to read that stuff knowing that this is affecting real people and people are losing their homes and it's just uncalled for really yeah it's really uh well i mean i think carson hit the nail on the head when he said it was gross yeah it's gross um Anyone who listens to the show with any regularity, you know that I am the first one to crack jokes about, you know, the fans in Tampa and Tropicana Field and whatever. But seriously, uh, knock that shit off. Um, yeah, people are losing their homes and losing power. People are, you know, their homes are getting destroyed. They're getting, you know, people had to evacuate. Yeah, not the time. Um, needless to say, I was wearing out my block button on Twitter yesterday, so. Uh, anyways, that out of the way, um, and, you know, we're all obviously hoping for, uh, uh, a speedy recovery and, and that things can get back to normal, uh, for everyone who were unlucky enough to be in the storm's path yesterday. Um, all right, that out of the way, let's talk some baseball. Let's get into our poll results. Uh, 
we we doubled down with the poll questions this week. We had we asked you guys uh, for your manager of the year picks in the National League and the American League. Let's mix it up a little bit. Let's start in the National League because I feel like the American League, the American League gets all the love. The National League doesn't get any love. Um, the choices were Oliver Marmel of the St. Louis Cardinals, Buck Showalter of the Mets, Bob Melvin of the Padres, and then other and. Uh, see, I knew there was a reason I loved all you guys. Uh, Oliver Marmol uh, took the took the victory in this poll with sixty percent of the vote to Buck Walters forty percent. Um, Carson, your boy Bob Melvin didn't get any love. No, he did not. Um, and it's a little it's a little disappointing that he didn't get any love, but at the same time, I do get it. Um, you know, the, the Padres have such a talented team. And I think, um, even though it looks like they're going to be a wild card team, it feels like they kind of, uh, fell under everybody's expectations in that they, everybody thought that they were going to make that, uh, NL West really competitive when in reality, the Dodgers just blew everybody out of the water again. Um, but yeah, we, we talked a lot about Oliver Marmel on, on our last episode, he should be strongly in consideration for what he's done with that Cardinals team. I mean, you've got two potential MVP candidates in Paul Goldschmidt and Nolan Arenado on that team, uh, you know, as well as, you know, still very good contributing veterans in Adam Wainwright, Yadier Molina, Albert Pujols. So, yeah, well, well-deserved win, at least in this poll for Oliver Marmol and We'll see if the uh, the National League, if the manager of the year voters agree. Uh, Gabby, out of these three candidates, uh, who who would you go for, for for manager of the year in the National League? Yeah, I'm going with Marmol as well. I think, um, you know, I think Carson kind of hit the nail on the head with there's a lot of talent on that team. I think going into this season, People felt like the Cardinals were capable of being a playoff team, weren't exactly sure how they would stack up with the rest of the National League. Um, I think their season right now is um, a special one. I think they are on a very good trajectory. Um, They actually are my pick from the National League to go to the World Series this year. Um, I think there's just a lot of history surrounding that team right now, and I think it's just special overall. I think he's done a really, really good job with the talent that they do have. I mean, these are all great choices. We all know Showalter is a great manager. I think obviously the season the Mets are having is really good, but I feel like that was almost a little more expected just because of the moves that they made in the offseason and just the team makeup that they had. Um, so I'm, I'm going with Marmol. I think that the poll results are accurate. I think everybody did a good job with that. I think um, that should be the winner. We'll kind of see what happens um, when when those results, the real results actually do come out. But I, I like what that Cardinals team has going for them right now. I think the atmosphere when you watch games is something that's pretty special right now. I think, um, you know, obviously what Pools has done this year is going to kind of fuel them to hopefully do even more this year going into the postseason. I think there's a lot of people on their side. So I think, um, you know, he's done a really good job this year with this team. And I'm kind of excited to see what they can do because talent wise, they are definitely capable of stacking up with some of those other really good teams in the national league in the playoffs. So I'm definitely pulling for them. I'm really excited for them. So it'll be fun to see what they can do. 
Yeah, and I think yeah, that Cardinals team is is uh I don't know if I would go as far as underrated, but to me, I think a lot of people are kind of sleeping on the Cardinals. Um and I'm I'm pleasantly surprised to see that uh that Oliver uh took 60% of the vote in this poll. That's not to not to discredit uh not to discredit Buck Showalter, but um Carson, I think maybe how do I want to phrase this? I think the expectations were higher for the Mets, and so not I mean again, not to discount anything Buck Walter has done, but I think expectations were higher for the Mets coming into the season than for the Cardinals. And so to a point, I feel like Oliver, I feel like Marmol has done I, I don't want to, I hate to say more that he's done more with less than the Mets have, but it kind of feels that way. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, it definitely does. It definitely does. Because like that, like you were saying, yeah, that's, that's kind of how I felt too. And what I, what I was um saying as well was I feel like with the Mets, everybody kind of expected them to perform well this year because they did have a good off season going into this year. And that pitching staff when healthy is phenomenal. So I just felt, I just feel like obviously show Walter is, you know, one of the best managers that we've really seen. I feel like in general, but that Mets team, we knew had had a lot going for them. And so I felt like going into the season, I thought they would give the Braves a run for their money in terms of that division. Carson, do you think the do you think it's fair to say that the Cardinals were uh I hate to use the word underrated, but that's really how it feels to me. I feel like the Cardinals were underrated and and a bit of a question mark coming into this season. I think they were. Um I mean, if you if you look back at our predictions episode, I believe AJ you and I both picked the Milwaukee Brewers to win that division. Yeah. Um, for the Cardinals to finish second. And I think I think we would share that that belief with a lot of other people and that we thought a lot of people thought that the the Brewers would probably win this win this division but um but yeah, I think I think Gabby said it perfectly in that what Marmol has been able to do with you know, that pitching staff has been absolutely insane uh even without Jack Flaherty who is who is when he's healthy one of the in my opinion one of the best pitchers in the game. Um, and kind of to, to agree with what Gabby said, you know, this, this Mets team, we kind of knew what this Mets team was going to be, how talented they were. And I think, I think everybody kind of knew that they would give the Braves a good run for their money for that NL East title. Now, granted that NL East title is nowhere near settled yet between mm-hmm. those two, but, um, but yeah, what, what Showalter has done with this Mets team has been impressive, but with, with Marmol, I feel like with the Cardinals being kind of in that division of of the central being oh okay it's the brewers and then like a little further down is is the cardinals and then it's everybody else uh but to see the cardinals pretty pretty swiftly take control of that that division and just kind of run run with it has been really impressive to watch yeah it's been a heck of a run for the cardinals and uh yeah i i think they're going to be a I think they're going to be a, a hell of a dangerous team uh, come October. Uh, all right, let's talk American League. Uh, this <laughs> this poll was a little more 
this this bowl wasn't this one wasn't as close. Um, and nor do I think it should be. Uh, but Terry Francona of the team formerly known as the Indians took seventy one percent over Brandon Hyde of the Baltimore Orioles, who Orioles who only got twenty nine percent, and poor 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 Aaron Bleeping Boone got absolutely no votes. Uh, that's not again, surprising. No, I'm not surprised at all. Uh, we have smart fans. Um, no, seriously, though. I mean, this is... Uh, Terry Francona, Carson, has done an absolutely phenomenal job with the Cleveland Guardians this year. We're going to talk more about them in a second, about just how great a job he's done. But I'm I'm not surprised that he won. Uh, but also a little surprised that Brandon Hyde didn't get, you know, a few more votes here. Yeah, I'm I'm pretty pretty surprised at that considering um you know, I think Brandon Hyde has done an unbelievable job with the Orioles especially this year. I mean, we're we're talking about the Orioles still as potentially in the wild card hunt, which is crazy to think about given not even a few years ago we would just see the Orioles coming up on a schedule and be like, "Oh yeah, we could easily win a majority of those games in that series." Um Seeing Aaron Boone also get no love is probably not too surprising, and I know with the two Boston fans that that makes you both very happy. Um, but uh, I think I think a majority of that too comes down to let's be honest. There's another Aaron that has contributed to uh, most of the Yankees' success this year, and like yeah. we're going to talk about the Guardians in in a moment here. But um, as much as as much as as a Twins fan, this makes me want to cry. Complimenting <laughs> what the Guardians have done. Um, I mean, Francona did an unbelievable job with that team this year, um, and they're they're I think a dark horse for for the AL going into the playoffs. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Gabby, uh, AL Manager of the Year pick out of these three candidates. Well, let's be honest, out of these two candidates, because I know you're not going to pick Aaron Boone. No, I mean, Aaron Boone, like Carson said, I don't really, I don't really attribute much, if at all, of the Yankees' success this year to him as their manager. I think you take Aaron Judge out of the equation, and the Yankees are, you know, still a good team because they're talented, but I think that they would be a lot closer with everybody else in the AL East if you take Aaron Judge off of that team because, to be honest with you, everybody else – on that offense, um, you know, is fine, but doesn't doesn't really stand out to me as this amazing um, offensive team. So I think the season Judge is having is the reason that they are where they are, and they're really lucky he's been able to stay healthy this entire season because um, usually we know he's kind of injury prone. So when he's been healthy this year, for the whole season, which I I know I know Yankees fans appreciate. I think that really is what's done it for them. Um, Aaron Boone, I think throughout his time as Yankees manager, has proven to make decisions that were detrimental to the team. So I don't necessarily think that I'm ready to put him anywhere in that conversation, really. But between the other two, this is honestly a toss-up for me more so than I think it would be for a lot of people because I think going into this season, obviously neither of these teams – were expected to do what they did. And at the beginning of the season, Cleveland did not look like a scary team at all. I mean, they they were going into the season, they they struggled a, l- a little bit at the beginning. They played some games that 
people were starting to be like, I feel so bad for Cleveland, like they should just tank. And then look what happened to them, you know, um, playing really good baseball. And I think especially seeing the roster that they put out there on a day-to-day basis, I think it's easy to count out um, a team like that. Um, And especially with, you know, other teams in their division that we thought might have been better than them. So I think obviously Terry Francona, we know, is a phenomenal manager. Uh, (laughs) You know, AJ and I can know this too. Um, But I think you know, from, from experience. Um, but I think, um, also, you know, this Baltimore team, nobody at the beginning of the season would have at all expected them to do what they did. I mean, going into the season, I'm going to be honest with you. I thought that the Orioles would finish last in the division again. I thought maybe it would be a little bit closer than it was last year, but I did not expect them to be in the wild card conversation or anywhere near it at all this year. I think they're really sending a message this year that this division really truly is the most packed and most talented division in baseball right now. Best division. There's every team in the AL East would be capable of, you know, winning games in another division and and kind of being um, in the mix in other divisions, which is crazy to think about. I think Baltimore going forward now is no longer going to be a team that everybody laughs at and sees as kind of a, um, a team that's easily beatable, if I guess to word it like that. I think they are a team that going forward are going to continue to make strides in the right direction. I think Orioles fans should be really proud of what their team did this year. So I really do like Brandon Hyde. I think he definitely would be well-deserving of this if he does get manager of the year. Um, however, I also think Francona is just as deserving. I don't really see it being um, – as much of a difference as I do see for the um, National League that we discussed. I think those two, I think Marmel is more of a clear choice. I think in the AL, though, I'm putting um, Brandon Hyde closer in the conversation than I think other people might just because of just how much that team exceeded expectations. And even right now, as of today, they're not even still out of the wildcard race. I mean, they likely won't make it because they're four and a half games out. But what they've done this season and the fact that it's now the end of September and they still aren't eliminated, I think is a lot for a team who just a few years ago had 100 losses, you know? Yeah, the turnaround in Baltimore has been, uh, has just been ridiculous. Um, I don't think, I anyone who says... <laughs> Anyone who says that they expected the Orioles to still be in playoff contention at this point of the season uh, is is full. Of, yeah, yeah, they're, they're full of it because um, they the Orioles just won't go away. Trust me, I'm watching the standings with great interest because my Seattle Mariners are are well, they're a little bit closer now. Their magic numbers down to three. So um but seriously, though, even if the Orioles, it, it doesn't look like the Orioles are going to get in this year, but um, I don't think it's crazy to think, you know, in the next, you know, the next couple of years that they're going to be, the Orioles will be right there uh, in the thick of things. Um, all right, let's 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 talk some playoffs because uh, we're, we're getting down to the, yep, we're getting down to the wire. We're getting down to the, we're, we're in the stretch run of the stretch run here. Uh, just a few quick updates. The Guardians, the Yankees, and the Cardinals all clinched their divisions. Uh, in fact, 
The only division that's still up for grabs is the National League East. Surprise, surprise. Um, we'll talk about that more in a second, but let's let's talk about these wild card races. Um, guys, these these wild card races are are just just insane. Uh, in the American League, um, the Blue Jays uh are are in the third in the top wild card spot. They're only two games up on the Mariners. Uh, they're a game and a half up on the Rays. Uh, I don't know about you guys, but I, this thing is this thing is gonna come right down to the wire because, and trust me, I've done the math. Um, if things break a certain way and the Blue Jays and the Rays uh stumble a bit down the stretch, we could end up with this with this order being completely flipped. Um. I, I don't even this this thing is just nuts. Um Carson, do you I, I think you'd probably agree with me that this order that these teams in right now is probably not gonna be the order uh that they finish in. No, yeah, there's there's a very good chance that this this order gets a little bit flip flopped here. I mean the, the Blue Jays themselves are on a two game losing streak currently. Um, the, the crazy thing is, is for me guys, all, all three of these current wildcard teams currently sit at four and six in their last 10 games, um, Mm. which is, which is pretty wild to think about. Um, the, the Mariners obviously won last night, so they're, they're back kind of to hopefully some winning ways because they've, they've been the team I think I've been most concerned about. They've been stumbling a little bit themselves. Um, but but yeah, there's there's a very good chance that that these teams will will flip flop the order here and like like we kind of talked about in the in the American League, I think the wild card teams are pretty much an open and shut book at this point. Like it'll be these three teams in the wild card yeah. spots, but but the, this order I think is bound to to probably shift a little bit, especially between the Rays and the Mariners. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um. Gabby, uh, weigh in real quick here on this this crazy American League wildcard race. Yeah, I mean, it definitely is crazy. That's a good word to describe it. I'm very happy for Seattle. You know, obviously it's been a long time coming for them just to even make the playoffs. So I think just getting there is is definitely a good step for them. Um, I definitely think Toronto is a good team. Obviously, I think they underachieved slightly this year because they – were the favorites to win the division going into the season. However, I am putting the Blue Jays as the team in the AL that I would not want to see in the playoffs. I think that can be a scary team in the postseason as long as they are healthy. There's just so much talent on that team. Um, I think, you know, they're going to be a problem. I do think that they take that first wild card spot still. Um, you know, I, I, I just feel like um, – they're going to end up going into the playoffs with that spot. But I do agree with Carson that I think I could see the other two being switched. Obviously, I do think Tampa Bay and Seattle are going to get those two spots. But I think that those two, we see those two spots flip-flop before the regular season ends. But I'm still keeping Toronto at the top. Yeah. Uh I I'm hoping that the that the Mariners can get past the race uh because uh, for anyone who doesn't know, and I don't know how you couldn't because I've been talking about it all year, the Mariners are my World Series pick. So 
just looking at it from that perspective, I would much rather see the Mariners play the Blue Jays in the first round than the Guardians, um, as crazy as that might sound. Uh, all right, let's let's talk about the National League real quick. We mentioned that the uh, the only division still up for grab is the is the NL East. Uh, but this this NL wild card race, uh, guys, all of the sudden, I mean, it looked well. I mean, the Braves have already clinched playoff spot. They're in. The Padres are the Padres are close. Uh, but this this last wild card spot, uh, Carson, all of the sudden, the the Phillies are only a half game up on the Brewers. Yeah, the the Phillies are giving their fans a case of the Willies. Um, they have lost, they've lost four games in a row now, three and seven in their last 10. They are just spiraling for whatever reason. And at the worst possible time, uh, while the Brewers haven't exactly been necessarily lighting the world on fire recently, uh, with going five and five in their last 10, five and five is still a better record than three and seven is. And I mean, this, this Brewers team. If you if you look at their kind of upcoming, if you look at their upcoming schedule, you know there's there's a very good chance that they could easily kind of go into this wild card, this last wild card spot because their last two series are against the Marlins and the Diamondbacks, which obviously I don't like to to put on other teams that it's an easy win series, but but those are two teams that that we've seen have kind of struggled struggled this year. Well, with the Phillies, I mean, they just they just had a series with the Braves where they split, but they're in the last game of the series with Chicago today where they've lost two of those three games, and then they have a series of four against the Washington Nationals, and then they wrap up the season with a series against the Astros. So at this point, I think for yeah. Philadelphia, each game is going to be a must-win in order to keep the Brewers off of their tail. Um, again, not to put on the, you know, not to put down the Nationals, but, you know, that's not exactly a, um, but that Astro series, that worries me. Um, Gabby, given, given the, the schedule, you know, the remaining games and the remaining, the, the last couple teams that these teams are facing, um, would you, do you give the edge to the, to the Brewers or the Phillies to get that, to snag that last wild card spot? Yeah, this is definitely going to be interesting. I actually, um, I actually give the edge to the Brewers. I think their schedule favors them going forward. I mean, not to diminish some of these teams, but I mean, you know, they play the Marlins, they play the Diamondbacks. I mean, honestly, these are teams that they should be beating. Um, so I think as long as all goes as planned for that, I actually do see, um, the Brewers kicking the Phillies out of a wild card spot. Um, I think with the Phillies this year, I think they overachieved a little bit this year too. I don't really think people um, based on their season last year really had them, um, you know, being a team that could keep pace with some of these other teams in the national league. Um, I think, you know, their schedule is obviously they should be beating the Nats. That's, that's a team that, you know, they should be winning all of those games. And if they really want a wild card spot, they should, quite frankly, be sweeping the Nats. But again, sweeping a team in a four-game series is tough. But the Astros are the Astros, and they will give them trouble. Um, so I think as long as the Brewers 
don't completely choke. I think they have the more favorable schedule overall, and I'm putting I'm picking them to pass the Phillies for that last spot. Yeah, yeah, I think the 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 schedule definitely favors the Brewers. Um, I I don't I don't know about anybody else, but I had I had pretty much written off the Brewers. It wasn't too long ago that I had kind of written them off, and and now here they are, uh, about to get into the playoffs, which is which is crazy. Um, but hey, that's baseball. Uh, I mentioned the NL East is still up for grabs, guys. The Braves and the Mets will play one last time in the regular season, uh, starting in a uh, well tomorrow for us, today for everybody else, um, starting on Friday. Um, but so I mean that I mean that's pretty much it. That will that series will will basically uh, settle once and for all this NL East thing. Um, but bad news for the Braves, Gabby, their star young pitcher, Spencer Strider is out until the playoffs. Yep. Yep. That's why I think, I think I have the Mets still coming out on top in that division. Um, had that not happened, it'd be tough. I still feel like I would give the Mets the edge, um, overall. I think, um, there's a lot of momentum with the Mets right now. They're, you know, they're going to win over a hundred games most likely. Um, and this is like really exciting for them. They haven't even been to the playoffs in a while. So I think there's, you know, there, there's a lot going for that Mets team right now. So I think I'd still regardless would give the Mets the edge, but even more so now um, I'm putting the Mets to win that series head to head. And I'm putting them to um, ultimately win that division. Uh, Carson, what about you? You taking the the Mets or the Braves in this in this last uh, this last showdown? I think I'm taking the Mets here. I mean, uh, even you know these these teams both obviously are both very well constructed and built for a long playoff run. But I think we can't understate how big of a loss having Spencer Strider out for especially this series will be. I mean, he has been lighting the world on fire here in my opinion, is the National League Rookie of the Year. Um, obviously, we talked about a few episodes back that he he uh, broke the or broke or tied the Astros team record of 16 strikeouts. Um, that was also held by John Smoltz, who was a, was a pretty good pitcher, if my understanding is correct. Um, and, I mean, you look at his stats, 2.67 ERA and 131 innings pitched a whip of 0.995. So it's, it's a huge loss, I think for the Braves, especially with the importance of this series, um, not having Spencer Strider. So I'm going to take the Mets here. Yeah. At the risk of making things boring. Uh, yeah, I'm going Mets too. Uh, yeah. Spencer Strider with a healthy Spencer Strider. I would, I would have given the, the slightest of edges, uh, to the Braves, but I just, yeah. I mean the Mets are the Mets are just so good. Um, yep, they are. Yeah, this is. I'm I mean, it's gonna... I'm happy for them, and I'm happy for that fan base because obviously, yeah. you know, it's been tough for them being Mets fans. So I feel like this season is definitely something that they're excited about, and it's a good reason to be excited. And I'm I'm really excited to see how they match up in the playoffs with um some of these teams too, because um I think this is just this has to be such a good feeling for Mets fans. Yeah, uh, if any fan base deserves this season and and a a nice long run in October, yeah, it's the Mets fans, um, because they've been through it. 
Uh, all right. Uh, before we wrap up, we're, we're coming to the end of this segment. Uh, before we wrap up, though, we're gonna we're gonna circle back and talk about the Cleveland Guardians. They, of course, they won the AL Central. Carson, I'm sorry. Um, but guys, this is I, I, when I saw this stat, I, I just I couldn't. Well, both of these stats really. One. At the beginning of the season, the Guardians only had a 7.5 chance, 7.5% chance to win the division. And oh, by the way, they debuted 16 rookies this season, which is an MLB record for a team that won its division. Um, Carson, I mean, this Guardians team, I mean, we talked about it. We talked about it way back at the beginning of the season, how it was, you know, you know, not to put too fine a point on it, but how it was pretty much Jose Ramirez and everyone else. Well, guess what? That everyone else, they stepped up big time for Cleveland this year. Yeah, they did. Congratulations <laughs> to the Guardians, I suppose. Um, but Twins fan bitterness aside, uh, this this has been an incredible, incredible year for the Guardians. I mean, like, like AJ said, we talked about at the beginning of this season how you know, we, we thought the team, the Guardians weren't, were a team that shouldn't be slept on, but it was also a thing of, we thought it was basically Jose Ramirez and then kind of everybody else. Um, and I mean, when, when you talk about manager of the year for Terry Francona, one of the points that I had also brought up was it isn't necessarily also about wins and losses, but what you do with the talent you have and player mm-hmm. progression and things like that. And the fact that this team was able to debut 16 rookies and to see what Terry Francona has done with some of them, like Stephen Kwan has kind of burst onto the scene here and should, I think, get some love for AL Rookie of the Year, even though I still think it'll go to Julio Rodriguez. He should get some love uh, for that award. Um, You know, the, the development of a lot of some of these other guys has been absolutely incredible. I keep coming back to the example of Andres Jimenez. I mean, you look mm-hmm. in his time as as a Met, and for those couple years, and he was he was okay as a Met, but he wasn't necessarily somebody who could light the world on fire. And he has become a huge contributor for this Guardians team, hitting a three oh three average, three seventy six on base, four eighty one slugging. I mean, this is this has been a breakout year for for Andres Jimenez, and not to mention this pitching staff has really turned it around. They were looking super weak to start the year off. And like Gabby kind of said earlier, this was a Cleveland team that was not looking very dangerous. But Shane Bieber has absolutely turned his season around. Tristan McKenzie, I've been super impressed with. And the fact that he's only 24, he's going to be able to to be a huge part of their future. And of course, you look at the bullpen, your eyes immediately go to Emmanuel Classe, their closer been absolutely incredible in the second half of the season as has a lot of their other bullpen pieces so um a really great job by the guardians to to take a division that a lot of people at the all-star break kind of thought they might not have a chance to take and even at the beginning of the season like aj said that's 7.5 percent chance um but a great job by francona and all of the players on the guardians to to get them to this spot uh Gabby, are the are the Guardians the most? Uh, are they are they the biggest surprise uh, in Major League Baseball the year? Are they the biggest? You know, the most surprising team. In terms of a team that's in the playoffs, yes, I definitely absolutely think so. I think um, a lot of the other teams that we're seeing 
that are going to be in the playoffs are teams we kind of anticipated going into this season for the most part generally um, based on the off seasons that these teams had and kind of what they were going in with. But in terms of teams that are in the playoffs, yes, I'm absolutely pointing to Cleveland as the most surprising team. Um, there was a lot of conversation this season about what Cleveland should do at this trade deadline even this year if they should have sold some of those players and been in sell mode um, at the trade deadline this year. I'm really glad that they didn't because obviously they, you know, they made a good choice with what they did do um, in terms of now they're a playoff team. Um, Class A was a name. It's funny that Carson brought that name up because that was somebody that I was looking at for the Red Sox in terms of the trade deadline that I was like, oh, wow, it would be really nice to have somebody like him and have a real closure on this team if Cleveland decides to sell. Um, and people didn't really know because, honestly, just like I had said earlier with the beginning of the season that they were having, it looked like that probably was the direction that they were going to head in. Um, you know, I'm really glad that they kind of stuck with what they had, um, and they are on a, a really good trajectory right now. I don't see them really going super far in the playoffs just because of um, – I just think there's better teams in the American League, I think, based on um, the rosters that some of these other teams have. I, I I kind of see Cleveland being a team that might, you know, maybe get past the first round or so. I don't think them going see them going that far. But with what they have accomplished this year, I think that should make their fans really, really excited for what's to come for that team because they definitely have a lot of potential when it comes to the future and just what they have going over there in Cleveland. So those people have to be really excited for what that team put together this year. Yeah, this this, this Cleveland team has been they've been so much fun to watch. I can't watch I can't wait to see them to see more of them in October. Uh they've just gone on a ridiculous run. Jeez, it's almost as if somebody should make a movie about the Cleveland baseball team. I don't know. Just throwing <laughs> that out there. Um all right. Uh, this was a exceptionally long segment. Uh, so let's take a break. Um, and on the other side of the break, uh, something new and exciting and hopefully fun uh, for all of you out there. Um, you're listening to the eighth inning stretch and uh, we'll be right back. Hey everybody, welcome back to the 8th Inning Stretch uh, with AJ and Carson, also joined by very special guest today, Gary Hurlbut, who is the host of the Boston Balling Podcast. Uh, so go check that out on your on your favorite podcast platform. Uh, into our middle segment, and we're going to try, we're going to shake things up a little bit today. Um, I actually got this idea from another, uh, from a, a fellow podcaster um, who suggested uh doing something similar to this so we're gonna we're gonna call this buy or sell and we're just gonna throw out we're just gonna throw out these um well i tried to i tried to come up with the most uh controversial and and hot the hottest hot takes um from from around around baseball and we're just gonna rapid fire and uh and and see where the three of us come down on these things so let's jump right in uh first up uh gabby we'll start with you uh buy or sell the guardians have a legit shot at winning the world series i mean i already talked about this uh a little while ago um i don't think they do i think you know i definitely see where people are coming from in terms of what that team brings to the table going into the playoffs this year 
but I think I, I see them. I really cannot get behind them going deep into the playoffs. I think we see them, um, you know, lose early on. Uh, Carson, buy or sell the Guardians. This hurts my heart to say this, but I'm buying it. I think yes. they, I think they've got a legit a legit shot here. And right now, kind of like with Gabby with the with the Blue Jays, this is the team I do not want to see right now. Um, I mean, I just cannot get past that pitching staff's massive improvement. Um, I think that they're they have a very very solid pitching staff, and their bullpen has been great. Um, you know, Jose yep. Ramirez and Andres Jimenez are kind of the two major weapons, but you look down that lineup, and like I mentioned earlier, Stephen Kwan, Josh Naylor has been a really good contributor as well. Miles Straw got hot early in the season, has kind of faded off since. Ahmed Rosario has kind of found a good form, so I'm I'm buying it for the Guardians. Yep, I'm buying the Guardians. Also, uh, yes, for all the reasons that, you know, for all the reasons that we've already we've already kind of talked about, but also, guys, uh, this Guardians team, I mean, they had, they basically had no chance of winning their division. They had, they debuted 16 rookies this year. Uh, nobody, nobody really gave them any, nobody gave them any chance whatsoever to be in this thing. Uh, so they're, I mean, to me, that the Guardians, they're playing with house money. I mean, they have, they have, Carson, these, this, this, this Guardians, this Cleveland team, they have nothing to lose. Yeah, absolutely not. I mean, they've already they've already excelled certainly my expectations um for for this season. So, you know, why why not? I I'd, I'd love to see them go on go on a deep playoff run here. Yeah, I get a very uh I get a very 2007 Rockies vibe from this team. So, uh I mean, okay, granted the the season things didn't end so well for the Rockies in 07, but um you know, uh, all right, let's let's move on. Uh, Carson, uh, buy or sell. Roger Maris Jr. says Aaron Judge should be the single season home run champ if he hits 62. Oh, man, this one this one was hard, a little bit harder for me because it's almost a it's almost a thing of do I go with what I morally think or do I go with what the record books say? And uh, in the end, for me, morals won out. I'm buying this. Um, you know, those those comments that he he made, I agree with, I think, 100 percent of them. You know, it's nice to see that he's, you know, doing it the right way. You know, he's he's playing playing the game the way it's meant to be played. Um, you know, obviously, the record books are a little bit of a different story. Um, mm. But but for for me, when it when it came down to that morals record books argument, I went with morals. I'm buying this. Uh, Gabby, how about you? Buying or selling uh, Roger Maris Jr.'s comments about Aaron Judge? Yeah, this one's definitely a controversial topic, I think, for a lot of people because people look back and they talk about people like Sosa or Bonds and they say, you know, um, if you look at, if you look at, you know, the stats and the numbers, then this 100% would be false. Um, but, you know, it's it's hard to really feel like um, I can like defend what Bonds was doing and compare it to Judge and say it was equal because you know we all kind of know history and we know what happened. Um, there. Um, I'm looking at the season that Judge had and um, 
I think I'm also kind of weighing in this whole triple crown race for him too, as part of this whole situation, because that's obviously incredibly hard to do. The fact that he's um, hitting this many home runs right now and also racing for the triple crown, I think makes what he's doing even more impressive with the home runs. Um, and I think, you know, if he doesn't hit 62, then obviously this isn't um, relevant. But I do right. think if he does, I think that he deserves that honor to um, be able to have people call him that just because, um, you know, he also plays the game with a lot of integrity. I mean, he plays the game the right way. Like, he doesn't really just – he doesn't really go and, like, um, act cocky or Mm-mm. isn't the type of player who kind of, like, rubs off what he's doing. He shows up. He plays baseball. If he hits a home run, he hits a home run. Um, and he gives he likes to give credit to other people on his team for things that they do well. So I think from a personality standpoint, I think he's just kind of a great guy for the game. Um, so I'm buying this as well. I think um, just considering all of the circumstances and everything that goes into this, um, I think it'd be hard to argue that he's not if he does get to 62. I mean, whether he does is a question. He's running out of time um, to get there. I definitely think there's a good chance that he could, um, but it's going to be hard to see that. But I'm definitely buying that one, but only if he gets to 62, not right now. Yep. Uh, it's unanimous. I'm buying this also. And uh, kind of as a as a little bit of a side note, uh, I'm just really – I've been really impressed with the way that uh, Roger Maris Jr. and his family um, have handled this because, I mean, I know obviously they were – um, you know, they were around and they were act, they were, you know, they were there for, you know, when, when Mark McGuire hit 62 and, and, uh, I mean, this, this, it can't be easy to see, you know, um, to see Roger Maris's record, uh, at least his, you know, uh, his American league single season record fall yet again. Um, but no, I'm buying this, I'm buying this the same way that I buy, uh, Hank Aaron as the, you know, as the legitimate uh, all-time home run champion. Um, Car- like kind of like Carson said about the thing with the record books. Yeah, that obviously complicates things. But uh, no, as far as I'm concerned, anyone who anyone who achieved any of those records through any kind of cheating, whether it's steroids or or supplements or whatever the hell you want to call it, uh, Anyone who achieved any record using, you know, by cheating and by and by disrespecting the game of baseball and um, showing a complete lack of integrity. Yeah. Uh, the number the the record book might say you're the record holder, but um, any I think any any true, you know, any true baseball fan is is going to. uh is not going to recognize um, your, you know, quote unquote record. Um, and those records deserve to have a big fat asterisk next to them. Uh, yeah, I mean, right. And it goes to show, like, I mean, even the fact that Bonds isn't in the Hall of Fame, I think is in is alone enough yep. to really like say that, you know, um, you look at the records and it's like, obviously he was a phenomenal baseball player. Nobody would ever deny that one of the best baseball players we've ever seen. Um, But, you know, you always have to wonder what, what his numbers would have looked like 
had that not been a factor. And I think it is important to consider all of this um, in this whole argument that it's it's like, yeah, I mean, there's a reason that Bonds wasn't inducted into the Hall of Fame, because obviously had if you take away, um, you know, the steroids and everything and what he did do, um, it, but he still performed the way that he did, then obviously no question he'd be in the Hall of Fame right now. So that's definitely that sh- that should say enough and it does say enough to me um as to why um I'm buying this whole judge thing. Yeah, I'm glad you brought up the thing about the Hall of Fame because not only did Bonds not get in, but I mean none of the, you know, uh none of those steroid era guys, McGuire, Sosa, Clemens, Palmero, uh, Bonds obviously, none of those guys got in. None of them are going to get in. Um so yeah, I mean, I mean, yeah. As Carson, I don't know about you, but I mean, like Gabby said, that pretty much settles that debate for me. Yeah, I mean the you you guys, I think, hit the nails on the head here. Uh, you know the the Hall of Fame, the Hall of Fame didn't see see somebody who holds the who in the record books holds the record for the most home runs in a season and in a career. Um, as a Hall of Fame worthy player because of what he did. So I think for for the most part, at least for for all three of us, that opens and shuts the case right there. Yeah. Uh hundred percent. All right. Next up, uh ooh, I can't wait for this one. Uh <laughs> uh Gabby, buy or sell. The Dodgers will lose in the division series. Oh gosh. I don't think I can buy that one. I mean, I don't think the Dodgers make it to the World Series. I've said this many times on my show and in just in discussion with other people. I, do, I think um, I actually have, like I said earlier, I have the Cardinals in the World Series from the National League. I think the Dodgers, once again, are um, a little overhyped. I think they always succeed in the regular season, but then when it comes to the postseason, they can't get the job done the majority of the time. Yep. But I don't think they lose in the division series. I mean, it, as of right now, if they, you know, if, if as things are right now, they would play the the winner of Padres Braves, which right now is the four and five um, matchup. I think um, I I see them beating either of those teams. I think overall the Dodgers are a better team than those two teams. I think um, just overall um, experience and um, just from a management standpoint and just the way that that Dodgers team is built right now, I think they have the capability of beating one of those teams. I think, um, however, though, I do think that the Dodgers are a team that um, could lose in the championship series. Um, And I think that that is actually what I'm leaning towards. Um, So I cannot really buy that they'll lose in the, in the division series. Um, But I do, I don't think they'll make it to the world series either. Carson, I don't even think I really need to ask you this because I'm pretty sure, well, at least I have a fairly shrewd idea of where you're going to come down in this, but uh, are you buying or selling the Dodgers losing in the division series? You already know that I am selling this I thing know. and selling it hard. Um, I know. Uh, for, for those of you who have been longtime listeners of this show, um, I do have the Dodgers as my National League representatives as well as winning the World Series. Um, so inherently based on just that, I can't buy this. Um, the, I will admit though, Gabby does, does make some, some very good points. Um, 
I am a little bit worried going into this postseason uh, with the loss of Walker Bueller. Um, I think that's going to have a really big impact. But the good thing is, is that Tony Gonsolin uh, is scheduled to be coming back, I believe, sometime during their series with the Colorado Rockies. So I think that's a huge boost for them heading into the postseason. Um, I mean, you could you could go all up and down this Dodgers lineup. I mean, Trey Turner, Mookie Betts, Justin Turner, to name a few. Um, I've gone on and on, it seems like, so many times on this show about about these Dodgers and why I buy into them so much. Um, so I am selling on, on them losing in the division series and selling hard. Uh, all right. I want to preface this by saying I have not exactly been, uh, I've not exactly been shy about my do- my anti Dodgers bias, um, through the entirety of this season or ever for that matter, for anyone who knows me, um, I don't know. This is tough. Um, you know what? I think I'm I'm selling I'm selling, but but with a with a catch here. So, like Gabby mentioned, the as it stands right now, well, the Dodgers have already clinched the number one seed in the NL. That's that's done and dusted. Um, well, it's just a matter of that. I mean, the Braves. The Braves Mets thing is still up in the air, so it really exactly. is a matter of like that matchup, but exactly. Uh yeah. yeah, which is where I'm going with this. I'm selling on the condition that that things things stay the way they are and that the Braves are the four seed, the Padres are the five seed, and that the Dodgers have to play the winner of that series in the in the uh in the NLDS. Um as much as I hate to pick against the Braves, if they do end up playing the Dodgers, I just I just I don't see that going well for the Braves. Um, however, if this thing flips, if this thing flips and the Braves win the and the Braves win the NL East, and the Mets end up as the four seed, and we have Mets and Do- Mets and Dodgers in the LDS, uh, in that case, yes, I will I would buy that. But as things stand right now, no, I as much as it pains me to say it, I have to sell. So you uh, think the Mets would be able to beat them in that series then if that were the case in the Mets? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. If we get if we so get too. Mets if we get Mets and Dodgers in the NLDS, I'm going Mets all day, every day, and twice on Sundays. Um because yeah. I think okay. the Mets are just I think the Mets are just the better team. Um plus the Mets have the the ultimate not so secret weapon in one Mr. Edwin Diaz. So um, yep. And we all we all know that playoff baseball playoff games come down to the closer, you know. So, uh, anyways, all right. Last but not least, uh, Carson, buy or sell. The Blue Jays are the most dangerous team in the American League as we head into the playoffs. I am also buying this all day, every day, twice on Sunday. Um, also, you know, back back to back, I get my. Uh, my World Series representatives represented here in this segment, as I have yeah. the Blue Jays representing for for the American League. Um, things things had started out a little rough with that prediction, I think, for the Blue Jays. But I mean, I don't think that you can necessarily discount this team at all. You've still got that absolutely tremendous hitting core of Bo Bichette and Vladimir Guerrero Jr. them by themselves. 
have been incredible. Theoscar Hernandez this season after uh, spending spending a majority of the season kind of out with uh, out with injury, spending the start of the season out with injury has come in and has played like Teoscar Hernandez. Matt Chapman's kind of come out of nowhere and had a really nice year. Alejandro Kirk has had a really great year as well. I mean, you look at their pitching, Alec Manoa should be in the running for AL Cy Young. Um, mm-hmm. Kevin Gossman, we know that he's he's capable of having great performances. Ross Stripling's been solid. Jordan Romano, their closer, has probably been one of the better ones in baseball as well. Um, so, yeah, for, for me, I'm buying this 100% that the Blue Jays are the most dangerous team. Uh, Gabby, buying or selling the Blue Jays as the most dangerous team in the American League? Yep, I think... Um... You guys know my thoughts on this. I mentioned it earlier when the Blue Jays came up in conversation. I said if we're looking at um, the American League right now, the Blue Jays are the team that I would not want to face if I was any of those teams. I remember even last year when everything came down to the wire with the whole wild card versus, um, you know, that play-in game that the Red Sox might have had to play. The Blue Jays in in the play-in game, that whole thing was crazy. And at that point even, I said the Blue Jays are the last team I want to see. I think that even applies more this year. I think, um, you know, they came close to catching the Yankees in the division. I think the Yankees just had too good of a start to make it harder for um, teams to be able to catch them at that point. Um, But had the Yankees not had the ridiculous start that they had, I think Toronto easily could have caught them in the division. I think overall um, Toronto is a team that, we all knew going into this season was going to be very good, was going to be a team that has a legitimate chance at going to the World Series. I mean, I'm looking at them in Houston as the teams at the top. I think when it comes to the Astros, people should absolutely not sleep on them still because they always find a way. And they're the Astros. They have the experience. Um, I think Dusty Baker's a great manager. So I think that would be a really interesting matchup. Um, so – you know, but I mean, at the end of the day, at the end of the day, I'm putting the Blue Jays as that team out of all these teams in the AL right now that could make it. I mean, that that would be interesting because that their second round matchup would be against the Astros if they mm-hmm. win their first round matchup. If the standings stay how they are now and they and they remain in the top wild card spot, um their second round matchup if they win would be against the Astros. So that would be really interesting to see. Um, but yes, I um with Carson on this. I have the Blue Jays as a really scary team. I think they're a team that um, if they get on a hot streak, and I've seen this plenty of times before, if they mm-hmm. get on a hot streak, it's really, really hard to beat them. And I think if they can put everything together – right at that right time when the playoffs start, I think it, they're going to be a menace going into the playoffs with all that talent. So if the Blue Jays match up with the Astros in the ALDS, you would take the Blue Jays? I would, actually. Yeah. Usually yeah. in that situation, I would take Houston. I think if it's Houston versus Tampa, I'm easily picking Houston. Yeah. But um, in our Blue Jays-Astros ALDS, I actually like the Blue Jays in that series. Oof, sign me up for that series. Blue Jays and Astros? Hell yeah. It would be a crazy series. I, I genuinely would... think those are the two best teams in the American League right now. That would be that would be one hell of a series. Um, 
I'm I'm gonna be the once again I'm gonna be the contrarian here. I am selling the Blue Jays as the most dangerous team in the AL, um, and I think you all know where I'm going with this. Um, I'm 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 buying the sorry what? No, I was gonna say it's gonna be either Houston or Cleveland. I feel like nope nope. I am yes I am buying the Cleveland Guardians okay, as the most yeah. dangerous <laughs> team in the American League. Uh. I mean, we've we've kind of beat it to death, but I talked about it earlier. I mean, they 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 came after they came from absolutely nowhere to win their division. Uh, they're they're a a way more talented team than than a lot of people give them credit for. Um, they have, as far as I'm concerned, the the best manager uh, that I've that I've ever had the privilege of of seeing manage in Terry Francona. Uh, the man just flat out knows how to win. He knows how to get the absolute, you know, he knows how to get every last drop out of his players. Um, and and the biggest thing for me, though, is, guys, the Guardians, and I kind of mentioned this before, but the Guardians, they don't have anything to lose. Nobody expected them to be in this position. Nobody is giving them, I mean, I haven't seen any official predictions yet for the playoffs, but I guarantee most of the quote unquote experts aren't going to give them a snowball's chance in hell of even getting out of the wild card round. Uh, they're playing with house money. They're young, they're talented, they have a great manager, they're hungry to prove themselves, and they'll have no shortage of bulletin board material from, you know, again, from all the quote unquote experts. Uh, the Cleveland Guardians are the most dangerous team because nobody, you know, they they have absolutely nothing to lose, and I think, uh, I think you guys would probably agree with me that the most dangerous opponent, especially in a playoff series and especially in baseball where anything can happen, is a team that doesn't have anything to lose. No, I mean I definitely understand where you're coming from with that. I mean I don't necessarily think they would lose in the division series. I just don't, or in the wild card series. I mean I just don't think that they would go deep in the playoffs in general. I mean I do genuinely think that um they you know they're a good team for sure but um you know i think if things stay as is and they have to play the mariners in the wild card series that could be tough for them i mean you know yeah. the mariners obviously are um this this would be their first time making the playoffs in years and so i think that them going into the playoffs it'd be um you know there'd be a lot going for them. I think um, that'd be an exciting series. So it's definitely interesting, but I definitely understand where you're coming from, that there's a lot less pressure on Cleveland going into the playoffs. than there are some of these other teams and they've already exceeded a lot of expectations this year. So for them, they're going into it. Like, you know, we're not expected to win it all. Like we're going to try our best, but nobody's going to look down on us if we don't. Whereas you look at teams like the Astros or the Yankees and the American League and those types of teams, there's high stakes there. Like if, if, if teams like that choke early on, people will look down on those teams because of the regular seasons that they had. So. Yeah, absolutely. Um, although just a quick disclaimer, uh, if the Guardians do end up playing the Mariners in the first round, I will obviously be cheering for the Mariners, but uh Anyways, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I don't want to. I don't want my I don't want my Mariners friends, uh, my Mariners fans friends to get mad at me 
Uh, all right, let's take our last break. When we come back, we're going to get into my favorite part of the show. Although, well, the mailbag is still my favorite part of the show. But I, I really, this, this buy or sell thing is a lot of fun. That, that may surpass the mailbag as my favorite part of the show. But uh, uh, in the meantime, yeah, let's take our last break. When we come back, we'll dive into our mailbag. We'll talk about our must-watch games. We'll get our parting thoughts. Um, and... And uh, that'll be a wrap. You're listening to the Ethan Eight Stretch, and we'll be right back. Hey, everybody! Welcome back to the Ethan Eight Stretch with AJ and Carson, and special guest, special guest Gabby Hurlbitt, who is the host of the Boston Bowling Podcast. Uh, do yourself a favor and click on over. Well, I mean, once you're done listening to us, obviously, um, go over and click on Boston Bowling on Spotify and check that out um all right let's get into the bottom of the ninth here and my favorite part of the show the mailbag um let's yeah let's let's just dive right in here uh first our first mailbag question comes from denise in ohio and she wants to know what would we do if we caught a record home run ball um we'll, we'll let our we'll let our guests go first gabby uh, first of all, have you ever caught a record home run ball? And if so, what would you do with it? I have never caught a home run ball in general. Um, I wish that I did. I've caught a foul ball one time, um, and I gave it to a little kid that was sitting near me at the game. Um, so that right. was my only experience catching a ball at a game. Um, but if I caught a record home run ball, like Pujols' 700th home run ball, that would be so freaking sick. Um, I don't, I mean, that's a tough question. I mean, I, I'd want to keep it, honestly. Like, I, I don't, because I feel like for somebody like him, who's hit so many home runs in his career, it'd be hard, it'd be tempting to, uh, not want to give it back, um, unless everybody was demanding for me to, but if I, mm. if I had it, I'd want to keep it forever and be able to show people this was this was the exact baseball that was hit by Albert Pujols when he hit a 700 home run? Yeah, I think it. Yeah, it would be tricky to figure out to to know what to do with it. Uh, Carson, what about? Is too. Yeah, that too. Like if it's somebody uh, who like, I don't know. Like it's tough because it's like if somebody who like isn't used to hitting a lot of home runs or like just happens to have like one good season where they break a record of for like a single season, like then I might be more inclined to give it back. But, like, with pools, it's like he's hit so many milestones in his career. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Uh, Carson, what about you? What would you do if you caught a record home run ball? Well, first and foremost, unlike the Blue Jays fan at the Blue Jays game, I would actually make sure I catch the ball instead of dropping it in the open. That would would be first and foremost. Oh, that poor guy. Um, Mm. But I guess – Kind of like Gabby said, this one's a little bit hard because the good side of me would would want to either give it back so it can go into like into Cooperstown or uh, be given back to the player or give it to a little kid because at this point like I've I've collected a fair number of foul balls in my time so like I'd be I'd want to give it to a little kid so they could have that memory but there's also the selfish part of me where it would be like nope this is my ball nobody else can have it this is, this is my ball forever now um right? but, it's not like you're ever going to get to do that again like for exactly that, you know yeah it's just it's hard because it's 
you know, you want to do the good thing and, and give it back so maybe the player can decide if they want to give it to somebody else or put it in Cooperstown. But at, at the end of the day, I hate, I feel bad saying this, but at the end of the day, I think I'd probably keep it too. Boy, you guys are, <laughs> um, you guys are too nice. Uh, yeah, you know what? I, I don't know. I honestly, I, I mean, I've never, I've, again, I've, to go three for three here, I've never actually caught a home run ball. I've come close a couple times. Um, but I've never actually caught a home run ball. I've caught, you know, yeah, I've got quite a foul ball collection. Uh, you know what? I think for me, I think it would depend on who it was. Um, I mean, if it's a Red Sox player, I'm giving it back without, without hesitation. Uh, unlike that jackass in Tampa who wouldn't give up Tristan Casas's. Uh, oh, yeah, that was so bad. Yeah, who wouldn't give up? Who wouldn't give Tristan Casas his his first career home run ball back? If it's a first career home run, I'm giving it back probably no matter who it is. Yeah, me too. Um, if it's a member, if it's a Red Sox player, I'm giving it back without a second thought. Um, if it's a Yankees player, I'm throwing it back. <laughs> um. <laughs> Yeah, pretty clear. But I mean, if it if I'm if I'm lucky enough to catch, you know, like Gabby said, like Albert Pujols is 700 home run ball, or I'm sorry, Red Sox fans, but if I caught Aaron Judge's 60 second home run ball, I would give it back because, uh, out of all the Yankees, he's the one that I despise the least. Um, yeah, I mean, if it's a big, huge milestone like Pujols 700. I'm giving it back and I'm giving it back without any expectation of anything in return. Uh, like these, you know, some of these other jackasses have been doing, Oh yeah. You know, I'll give it back, but I want, you know, a signed bat and a signed ball and I want to meet the team and all this other. No, I would just, I would give it back without any expectation of, uh, you know, of, of anything in return. So I don't know. I guess I'm, uh the odd man out again here all right uh tracy from arizona wants to know would you rather call who holds 700 or judges 62nd um carson you you get a chance to call one of these home runs uh obviously one has already happened and one hasn't happened yet but uh take your pick this is really hard um as as someone who is like an aspiring broadcaster, first of all, the opportunity to call both would be absolutely amazing. Um, but I think I would lean more towards Judge's 62nd simply because of the fact that that mm. would be the record. Mm. Um, and I mean, obviously, Albert Pujols' 700th home run was an incredible feat, but, um, you know, it's Aaron Judge would stand alone for that period in time while as Albert Pujols would join the 700 club so I think it'd be a little bit of a cooler moment to call judges 62nd but but man there would be a lot of pressure to to make that call not lame (laughs) right um yeah that would be there would be immense pressure to call either one of those uh Gabby which which home run would you rather call yeah, I'm going with Pujols because um, I think the idea of Pujols doing what he did and it's it's like such a rare club for him to be in 
and it's overall, um, whereas Judge is just an American League record. Mm. Um, I think it'd be like I think what Pujols did um, was cooler, um, and I think Pujols where he's at in his career too, and the fact that he's retiring, I think it mm-hmm. means a little bit more right now. Um, to me that he was able to do all of this right now. Um, and I think being able to sit there and say, you know, I, I made the call for Pools' 700th um, career home run when and just how many people have followed him throughout his career. I think, like, that's something that um, we're probably not going to see again for a long time, seeing as how few people are in that club. Whereas yeah. with Judge, like, you know, obviously that's also a really, really hard thing to do as well but um i just feel like there's i just feel like the the likelihood of seeing somebody do what judge did is um more likely so i i'm definitely going with pool yeah yeah i'm with you i'm going pools also um not to discredit what aaron judge has accomplished obviously and like i said out of all the yankees uh i despise him the least and i'm doing my very best to say nothing but nice things about him so that he'll come to Boston next year. Um, (laughs) No, but honestly, I mean, Albert Pujols has been, you know, Albert Pujols has been one of my favorite players for, well, basically for his whole career. Um, I, uh, at one point had collected, you know, every Albert Pujols card I could get my hands on. Um, Yeah. He's just, he's one of the best to ever do it. And I think the opportunity uh, and the privilege to call uh, his 700th home run would have been absolutely would have been would have been overwhelming. Um, and also, I, I think I would be more. I think I would be more authentic. I would be more. I would be more genuinely excited about uh, Pujol 700 than I would about. Uh, I mean, really, anyone hitting 62. So. Um, I don't know. There's just something. There's a certain something that goes along with that with that 700 number. Um, all right. And last but not least, Lee from my home state of New Hampshire, the great state of New Hampshire. Shout out. Uh, wants to know who's on our Mount Rushmore of current players. This one's tough. Um, I'm gonna uh, Carson. I'm going to let you start this one because uh, this one's, this one's, this one's tough. Yeah, this is, this is very difficult because I think that there are, there are a lot of different players that you could certainly put on this Mount Rushmore for all different reasons. Mm -hmm. Um, The, the first two I'm going to start with are guys who did hit some pretty impressive milestones this year. The first being Albert Pujols. Um, who we already talked about, I think he belongs on there for joining the 700 club, um, not to mention all the other things that he's done in his career. Um, the second one I'm going to, the second person I'm going to put on that Mount Rushmore is someone that I think has been massively underrated his entire career, and saying that as a Twins fan speaks volumes because it's Miguel Cabrera. Um, for for me, hitting, you know, he hit the 3,000, his 3,000 hit as well this year, which by the way, can we just take a moment and appreciate how much history we're getting to see this year? Yeah, seriously. Yeah, um, we've been spoiled. Yeah, absolutely unbelievable. Um, now, the, the last two spots are really difficult because I'm very tempted to put Aaron Judge on there. Mm. Um, 
very tempted with with this season he's having, but at the same time, if I'm basing it off of a career, I can't really put him on it. Um, and then another another guy that I'm really close to putting on there is also Shohei Otani. Um, mm-hmm. But the the fact that his career I feel like is still really new is makes it makes it a little bit harder. But nonetheless, he is going in that third spot for me. Um, yeah. And then my fourth my fourth is probably the one that I have the hardest time deciding. But I am going to go ahead and I'm going to put Clayton Kershaw uh, as my fourth. Yeah. Um, I mean, just the he's been one of the most dominant pitchers I think that I'll probably ever see in my lifetime i mean world series champion uh you know consistently seems to be in the running uh for cy young awards granted when when he's healthy and we've seen that he's kind of had had some struggles with with his health i mean he's won mvp he's a three-time cy young winner already nine-time all-star uh gold glove winner five times won the era title so for for me clayton kershaw um, Clayton Kershaw belongs on that Mount Rushmore for me as well. Uh, I can tell you really struggled with that process. Um, well, I mean, I think we all did, but no, nah, man, those are, those are solid picks. Um, really solid picks and nice to see a pitcher get, get on Mount Rushmore. Cause, uh, well, I gotta be honest that pitchers, pitchers, no, a pitcher didn't come to mind when I first, uh, when I first, when I did my f- sort of first draft of this. Uh, Gabby, what, how about you? Who's on your, who's on your baseball Mount Rushmore of current players? Yeah. I mean, it's interesting you bring up pitchers because that was a whole question of, do you include pitchers in this or not? Mm. Um, but Mm -hmm. I think if you say players in general, I think that pitchers definitely should be included if they deserve to be there. Um, I definitely contemplated there's so many good players right now currently, um, that are in there. A couple of mine are the same as Carson's. I'm definitely putting Albert Pujols. I don't think there's a question that he deserves to be there. I mean, what the guy has been able to accomplish, um, not only this year, but just in his career in general, we've seen him, um, you know, go through a lot in his career. He's accomplished a lot. I don't think there's any question that he's somebody who should be on there. He's a great representation of baseball, um, just in general, the way he plays the game, um, just just who he is as a person. I just think he's he's just a great representation of the game of baseball. So he's definitely up there for me. I'm putting Shohei Otani on mine. I think mm. there's nobody else that's doing what he's doing, being able to put up all these successful numbers, hitting and being able to pitch at the same time and um, put up solid numbers from a pitching standpoint. I think what we're seeing out of him is something we might never see ever again. Um, so I don't think that's something that should be taken advantage of. I think he's somebody that needs to be talked about and um, is worth putting on there um, just strictly for the multi-talented guy that he is. Because, um, you know, I think we should all feel really lucky to be able to watch somebody like him play um, and be able to do what he does because there's definitely a really special talent there. And because of how unique that is, I'm putting him and how he's able to excel at both. I'm definitely putting him um, up there, too. I think somebody else who should be on here um, who is a pitcher is um, Max Scherzer. I think he's somebody who definitely deserves to be in this conversation. I mean, the guy definitely has a lot of accomplishments, obviously, as we've seen throughout his career. Um, I think he's the guy's a freaking warrior. I mean, like he's he's gone from team to team and has been able to excel everywhere he is and has been able to maintain 
being in the conversation for one of the best pitchers in the game um, everywhere he's been. Um, so I think, you know, um, he's definitely somebody who is one of the best pitchers that we're going to see probably in um, our lifetime. Um, and, you know, you do play around with injuries. You play around with do these people deserve to be there because if they've been injured a lot, um, it's hard to put them on there because you look at players like Mike Trout, for example, who you know is one of the best players in baseball um, and arguably could be a top 10 player of all time if he stays healthy. But from a health standpoint, it's really, really hard to be able to currently put him on there just because, unfortunately, he really has not been able to stay healthy a lot throughout his career. Um, Although I think he's better than the majority of players in baseball um, in general. Um, Aaron Judge, hate to say that too, but I would put him on um, because I think he's somebody who obviously this year – when he's been fully healthy, has been able to show that um, he can do a lot. Obviously, defensively, he's fantastic. He's a great hitter. I think he's a, um, a good leader. I think he. a lot of people look up to him from a baseball standpoint. So I think if you look at somebody like Aaron Judge, it's hard to not put him on um, with his talent. Um, so I'm putting him there um, as well. I think there's a lot of names you can play around with. I think, um, you know, there's it's tough it's definitely really really tough to um narrow this down and and be able to really um put people on there fairly because there's definitely more names that i could include like mookie betts was somebody i contemplated um Mm. to be able to put on as well um so there's definitely a lot um that's kind of the list i'm sticking with right now but i think you know um somebody like jacob degrom was also in conversation for me um, who obviously we know is a really rare and special talent as well, but his problem also is health. And unfortunately, like I hate to discredit people because of health, and it's not necessarily discrediting them. It's just more like it's hard to really be able to rank them at the top without being able to see um, them fully healthy as opposed to other people who are. So there were definitely a lot of names I tossed around in there, but yeah, those are the, those are the guys that come to mind for me. Yeah, I tossed around some. Uh, I tossed around some some sort of younger, you know, younger players like Shohei Otani and, and Aaron Judge, and um, and I think, I think those, your Otani's and your Aaron Judges are definitely, uh, they're going to be on you know baseball's Mount Rushmore, uh, eventually at some point down the road, but I. I gotta be honest. I wrote I wrote down so many names and crossed so many out, and um, actually got kind of frustrated because um, I'm like, yeah. "There's no way I can narrow it oh. down to just four players." It's really um, yeah, it's this is a lot. This is a lot harder than I thought it was gonna be. Um, okay, so, so many players. I feel like that are yeah, there really are of it. Yeah. Because you know, you know, I I made I wrote down four names. I made I made so many. I did this. I made so many drafts of this thing and just kept crossing guys out and like, oh, but what about this guy? Oh, what about this one? So this is the these are the four that I finally settled on. Uh, first, uh, my first one that I settled on is is Bryce Harper. Um, again, the I, the injuries and the you know, but. Ultimately, at the end of the day, I think he, I think he's, he's worthy of a spot. Um, a second one that I went with was uh, same as Carson. I went with Miguel Cabrera because, 
I mean, that one's pretty much how can you not? Miguel Ferreira's um, just one of the best to ever play the game. Uh, I did go with a pitcher, and I kind of waffled on pitchers, but I did go with a pitcher. But I went with Justin Verlander. Um, that and was I know, yeah, contemplated as well. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, obviously he's had you know he's had injury struggles too, and he's not. You know, the pitcher he is now isn't the pitcher that he was even five years ago. But, I mean, he's, to me, he's just been one of the most, he's been one of the most consistent and one of the most flat-out dominant pitchers uh, that I've ever seen. Um, and, obviously, last and certainly not least, I went with Albert Pujols because, again, how can you not, um, you know, he's in his final season and, and we've seen... It would have been it would have been so easy for you know, uh, you know, a player in, in their last season. A lot of times they just kind of pack it in and they just kind of, you know, mail it in a little bit and just kind of you know coast to the finish. But Pujols has gone out uh, every single day for the Cardinals uh, this year and and not only uh, reached one of the most hallowed milestones in all of baseball in all of sports for that matter, um, but he's also helped the Cardinals. Uh, he's also helped the Cardinals win a lot of games and, and has them uh, looking extremely dangerous heading into the playoffs. So um, those are our Mount Rushmore's. Uh, as always, thanks everybody for sending your, your stuff to the mailbag, um, which you can continue to do by uh, dropping us a line at ethaningstretch at gmail.com. Uh, send your questions and your comments and your feedback. Let us know what you think about the show. We'd love to hear from you guys. Uh, all right, let's let's talk our must-watch games. And I don't know about you guys, but for me, there's only one that's really, really a must-watch, and that's this Mets and Braves series that starts tomorrow. I mean, I don't think it really needs any build-up. I don't think it needs any, you know, any any adjectives or anything. I mean, this is. This is the NL East crown on the line. Um, Gabby, what are your uh, what what must watch games are on are on the schedule for you for tomorrow? Yeah, I mean Braves Mets pops up to me as the most important. I think a lot of these other games, you're gonna look at them and you're gonna say, yeah, there are teams that are trying to clinch spots or are trying to kind of switch where they are in terms of um, standings for these wild card races. So those you could say um, are teams to watch. Um, you know, if you look at teams like the Brewers and Phillies, like watching games that they're playing, I think are going to be important just because those teams are neck and neck right now. So that's going to be interesting to watch. But I think the most important series that everybody should tune into is Mets Braves. Cause I think um, whoever wins that division, I think um, it's going to be a wild finish. And I think, um, you know, who, who wants to be who, who who wants to be playing in that um you know that first round that wild card round of those two teams you know like either so it's going to be really good to kind of see how that um how that plays out so I'm putting that too but definitely want to keep an eye on some of these other teams that are in wild card spots that are close just to see if they can kind of make things interesting and um which around the order of those wild card standings yeah um it's kind of a it's kind of a bummer that more of these teams that are, you know, in.